This is Startup Renegades, a raw conversation with founders, entrepreneurs, and the unicorns among us who have taken their idea and turned it into a thriving, profitable brand. I'm your host, Shauna Armitage, and my work as a fractional marketing director has led me to connect with dozens and dozens of founders in all stages of their startup journeys. Whether they're bootstrapping or fundraising or have capital on hand, there's one big question founders always ask, how do I grow this thing? On Startup Renegades, we'll explore how they did it, and you'll walk away with actionable steps you can take on your own journey to scalable growth. Hey there, Renegades. Welcome back. Today, I'm going to introduce you to Robin Doyle. She's got 25 years plus of experience in the beauty industry as a writer and a publicist, and she's a passionate advocate for beauty brands that use the industry as a vehicle for social change. She created Beautyology.com, a fair trade and ethically sourced online marketplace for conscious consumers who want beauty products that make a difference, not just on the surface of their skin, but in the world we live in. It's a beautiful mission, but it's not an easy one. And today you're going to hear Robin talk about the whole journey from where she started in her career as a writer to interviewing celebrities and eventually becoming a publicist and how those skills aided her in her journey to launch a brand that she's truly passionate about. So let's dive right in and hear about the journey from Robin herself. It's time for another episode of Startup Renegades. Hey, Robin, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here. Thanks so much for being here. Let's start at the very beginning because you have 25 plus years in this industry. Where did you start? Yeah, it sounds like a really long time ago. It's kind of crazy (laughs) to think about. But yeah, where did I start? I actually started in editorial. So I went to school, actually, for I was an English major. And I, like most people, didn't really know exactly where I was going with that in school. I just honestly decided to study English because it was part of the humanities program at my university. And at the time, um, I remember being told that if I was a humanities major at UC Irvine, I wouldn't have to take math. And so that was basically all I needed to hear at that point. I love it. So so I took language and uh, that worked out a lot better for me. So I ended up deciding towards the end of my senior year that I definitely wanted to do something in journalism or media, but I wasn't sure what that was. And so I did a lot of internships, like a lot of people do, trying to figure out like what you like or where you see yourself or more importantly, where you don't see yourself. So mm-hmm. I kind of whittled through a lot of different internships at news stations, radio programs, magazines. And I decided that I really enjoyed writing and working in an editorial setting with magazines. And so I started off doing uh, magazine writing, to be honest. Um, anything I could write, basically. is It started off with a lot of entertainment. And so I wrote for Entertainment Weekly or Us Weekly. I covered a lot of red carpet events in the beginning, mm-hmm. interviewing celebrities, and then just freelancing for anything I could get my hands on. And um, I went from working at uh, teen magazines, interviewing people like Britney Spears and NSYNC to 
landing a beauty editor position at a teen publication. So that was my real first foray into beauty. And mm-hmm. so I, as a beauty editor, I learned about a lot of products, ingredients, interviewed a lot of founders, wrote a beauty column, a uh, beauty RX column. I was answering questions written in by girls asking about anything from acne to keratosis pilaris, you know, what are these bumps on my arms? Or mm-hmm. I started off in the beauty industry that way, really, and got my feet wet doing that. And so from there, I ended up freelancing a lot also for a lot of other beauty publications over time. And I actually kind of, I guess this uh, spurred my latent entrepreneurial interests that I didn't know were there. Being that I was interviewing all these entrepreneurs, I started kind of feeling like, oh, you know, they did this. If they could do this, I could do this. I want, you know, I had millions of ideas swimming on in my head. And so I ended up creating a hair accessories company and with no real business background or education. I just decided I know the industry. I know how to get stuff in magazines because I know I'm an editor. And so I just kind of had fun with it. And I created this business and it did quite well for what it was. And I got it into hundreds of stores. I had reps around the country and I got in a lot of magazines. And at the time I was still freelancing, still doing like entertainment type interviews. So I was interviewing celebrities and I'd wear my hair, my headband. They would comment and I would say, this is my company. And then I'd give them my headband. And then I would tell so-and-so editor, you know, at XYZ Magazine, that's so-and-so has my headband and then they'd write about it. So it was kind of like this cool little thing that I had created. And then over time, I just kind of started to... I have two kids. So I was mm-hmm. like, you know, a new mom doing, you know, being a mom and running a business and still writing. And, and I think that I just kind of got tired of the, you know, the business aspect. I wasn't sure because I didn't have the business background. I wasn't sure I was going to go with it. And I, right. uh, on a whim, a friend of mine had a business and she says, you know, you were so good with this PR. Would you be able to help me? And I says, I'll try. And so she had a vegan accessories brand at the time, and I pitched L, and I got it in L magazine, and so that was like 16 years ago, and I created a PR company. That's kind of my journey from editorial into PR, and I and ever since I you know was doing PR for several years as a small boutique agency, and I focused a lot on uh, beauty products, and so I was helping over the years a lot of founders. There's so much to unpack there. I love kind of your I know. thoughts. <laughs> I love your thoughts. <laughs> the journey is so important, right? I love your thoughts on entrepreneurship. I feel like we fall into two very specific camps. You know, you either have the people that grew up with a lemonade stand by the time they were four or five because they were entrepreneurs from the very beginning. And the rest of us were like, hmm, like, what is this entrepreneur thing? That That's interesting. I have ideas. I could do something like that. And your story is so cool. And then learning about how you used your connections and your skills and your work in freelance, then moving into PR. PR is such an important skill. It's not just an industry. It is a skill. And being able to have that for any business is essential. So now we've learned all about kind of your background with beauty Mm -hmm. and you've got this PR company. Where did the idea for Beautyology come? So I would say, I don't know, maybe backtrack a few years. Mm -hmm. 
before the pandemic, when everything was going clean beauty, everything was transitioning the industry in general, Mm -hmm. it was really all about making sure your products were clean. And what did that mean? And what does it mean to have products that are good for your skin that aren't harmful? There are obviously there's pioneers in the industry that have been talking about this for over a decade. But really, in the last five or six years, this industry has truly blown up. And so I saw, you know, obviously working in the industry and having all these brands that were part of this movement, you know, I saw the trend moving in this direction. It kind of also just made me realize as a mom, the importance of clean beauty and the importance of knowing what you're putting on your skin. But it also got me thinking too about other things like where are these ingredients coming from and who are the people behind these ingredients? This was something that really wasn't talked about that people are starting to now learn more about all of this and it's becoming a little bit more mainstream, but it's still, we still have a ways to go, I think, in this industry in general. And the idea for Beautyology honestly came about maybe a year and a half ago. I would say in 2020, it was honestly right before the pandemic happened. I had taken a trip to India because I was something I'd always wanted to do. I'd always wanted to travel uh, India. I've always been a big traveler and, and I, this was just a bucket list thing of mine. And I wanted to, I'd been working quite hard the last couple of years with my business and I just wanted to kind of get out of my bubble and just take a break. And so I wanted to also, you know, see what else, you know, kind of just let the trip take me and kind of just as a sign, I was kind of like losing my passion a little bit for PR in general. And I knew that there was something else that I wanted to do within this industry that I truly love, but I felt like it's so competitive and saturated. And I just felt like there was something that I felt like I could give, but I couldn't really put my finger on it. And I just decided to take this trip. And when you get out of your element, you kind of let open your fist and you just let your mind kind of like be open to whatever comes in your way. And, and so I honestly, when I was on this trip, I just kind of, you know, it sounds a little cliche, but I had this idea because I was meeting all these amazing people and I was being taken to all of these collectives and meeting people who create products and learning about what it takes and seeing with my own eyes, like how Western commerce, how it really affects these third world countries in a way that we don't necessarily think about on a daily basis living in Los Angeles. And so I saw, you know, these people from different parts of India in towns working together on these, whether they were producers producing dyes for fabrics or ingredients for different products. And it just got me thinking like about the beauty industry and learning, you know, realizing that, you know, there's a lot of people around the world that are sourcing our ingredients, not just for food, but for our beauty products, because our beauty products goes hand in hand with farming and agriculture. And we don't necessarily think about the beauty industry that way. And we don't think about the people behind it and and who they are and how they're being treated. And if they're being treated well, if they're being paid well. And yeah, I kind of really got me thinking about positioning the beauty industry and products in a different way, because everything obviously is clean and this is sustainable. And, you know, we need to make sure that we aren't overproducing packaging and, you know, we need to source ingredients in a way that isn't going to ruin the environment, but we never talk about the people. And so Uh I came home and I um, have some friends that also own companies and they work in this world like they have created uh, cooperatives or they work with fair trade 
uh, ingredient producers. I even have a friend who created a shea butter brand and she created a cooperative of female producers in Africa when she was in the Peace Corps. And she realized the disparity between, you know, the women producers creating these ingredients, like sourcing the shea, and then how these corporations come in and they take these ingredients and they produce them outside of the country. They're not allowing these women to really reap the benefits of the work that they could be having if they were to be paid a fair wage and they were able to Mm -hmm. like, you know, make this product on their own. And so I went to her and I kind of, you know, I said, listen, there's, you know, you've got your brand. There's definitely brands out there that are more mission driven that work with producers, whether they're in the Amazon in South America, or they're in different parts of India or Africa, but there isn't like one collective or a community online or a marketplace that really you can go to as somebody who loves beauty products, but wants to like put their money towards a, not just a good cause, not just like saying that, you know, you're donating to a charity, but really like helping people with your money, like doing good. She loved my idea. And so I kind of got pumped up from her giving me like thinking that this was such a great idea. And then I started finding other brands that kind of follow this ethos. So we all have the same mission. And so I started reaching out to them, honestly, on social media, I was looking for brands and I says, listen, I'm thinking about creating this marketplace online for fair trade and ethically sourced brands that really talk about putting people on the planet first. Mm -hmm. Is this something you would be interested in? And like the response was overwhelming. I was really love. It was really inspiring. And that's really what kind of kept me going is these brand founders that are all kind of working to get this word out, but they're doing it all by themselves. Hey, it's Shauna here. I want to take a quick break from this amazing episode to send a free resource your way. Starting up is hard. Whether you're bootstrapping or you've got some funding behind you, you don't always know exactly where to start. I want to fix that. You head to startuprenegades.com right now. You can claim your free business benchmark blueprint. That's a mouthful. It's going to help you set a plan in place so you can create your foundation for growth. And it's free, so why not? Head to startuprenegades.com right now and grab yours. So talk to me a little bit about the benefit here. You've got some great people and brands behind you. That's definitely difficult. But now you're running a two-sided marketplace. So... I'm assuming the brands love the idea of being in a marketplace where you're driving the traffic and potentially can bring them more sales. What did you do in the early days of the brand to start getting awareness and driving sales for your business? Okay, so um, being that my background is in PR, it kind Mm -hmm. of gave me this leverage, I would say, um, a little bit in that I was, you know, promoting this to the media and trying to get it out there that, you know, I've created this new beauty marketplace, truly the only fair trade and ethically sourced beauty marketplace that's out there. So, I mean, and I am still quite new. I only have been around for about a year and I feel like even though I launched a year ago, I'm still building. So I'm still in the very early stages. And so, you know, initially I I was able to get some good press and that brought some great traffic. And a lot of the brand founders were really appreciative because I was able to include 
some of their brands um, highlighting in some of the articles that were published um, and mentioned in these stories. So that was a big part of what I did to initially get it out there. Mm-hmm. I am 100% bootstrapping this right now. So I am, mm-hmm. you know, in the very beginning startup stage and I have to be super scrappy and smart. I've done some collaborations with like-minded media outlets that are kind of going after this similar demographic of Mm -hmm. readers and consumers that I think would be most interested. You know, some, I've done some influencer campaigns also um, to kind of get the word out. It seems that PR is really essential, you know, very core to your growth strategy, especially in these early bootstrapping days. Do you have any tips for entrepreneurs who don't have your background in PR and what they might be able to do to get coverage for their companies? Yeah, PR is definitely a major part, especially when you're you know, first starting out and they're always looking for new stories. Mm-hmm. I have to say, though, it's not all in one. It's definitely a piece of the pie. Like, you know, there's obviously, mm-hmm. especially I've learned over this journey that I've been creating this industry, you know, this business, that PR kind of goes hand in hand with a really solid marketing plan. And also, mm-hmm. like, if you're able to do any kind of ad campaigns, and really educating yourself on e-commerce. You've got to be kind of like a Jane of all trades in the beginning. Mm-hmm. It's hard because, I mean, I knew PR. I know somewhat about marketing. I know, you know, I somewhat about affiliate sales and how that's really taken over the industry. And that plays a huge part too. Mm-hmm. But I personally didn't know a whole lot about e-commerce. And so I'm learning, right? But PR, mm-hmm. if you don't have these connections, or you don't have the revenue to be able to work with a publicist, it's really not that difficult to go online and read, you know, see. First of all, I guess I would say, find out who your competition is and find out okay where they're being promoted and who's writing about them, what outlets they're being talked about. If you're beauty, then, you know, you go to the beauty sites. If you're fashion, you go to the women's fashion sites. If you're a sustainable brand or if you're a food brand, you know, it's really just about figuring out who your competition is and then like almost reverse engineering, you know, kind of like seeing who's where did they get written up and what, who is the writer for that, you know, and like Googling and then following them on social media. (laughs) And some writers and editors don't have a problem with direct messaging. If you wanted to try to reach out and introduce yourself as a founder, some do, it really just depends. There's really no rule book that you have to play by. Oh, you can't do that. I mean, sure. The worst thing is, you know, asking for forgiveness. Oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't realize that you didn't want me to do that. You know, like they might love it. They might, oh my God, what a great thing. Here's my email address. Please send me, you know, some information. I'd love to learn more, you know, um, finding them on Twitter, that kind mm-hmm. of a thing. Um, so I would say- special about pitching? You know, any any tips that makes your, your pitches stand out when you're sending it over to journalists? Yeah, it's there. It's hard. There's so much um, 
noise going on in people's email boxes that it is really, really hard to stand out. Um, I think it's about really honing in on your mission and what you're trying to convey in a short, concise amount of words. I wouldn't send blocks of text because nobody reads that much anymore. Um, But also more, the most important thing is really, you know, um, knowing that your story is something that could potentially resonate with a writer. Like, what do they cover? Mm-hmm. Like if you are creating, um, you know, a new ice cream, well, you know, you need to find the right people in the right outlets that cover that kind of a thing. And, you know, it has to be timely too. So like, let's say you just, you created something and you're going to be launching in August. Well, are they short lead? Are they going to be, do they probably write something, you know, they could be doing something in the next month. And so you have anything going on in August, like special summer flavors, or you just have to be timely with your pitching and relevant. Honestly, you need to really do your research and figure out who these people are and what they like and what they write about because relevancy is the most important thing. And it's hard, you know, even as a publicist, it's really hard to cater your pitches to the right person all the time because absolutely, there's a lot of people out there and there's a lot of writers out there and there's a lot of competition. <laughs> and so anybody that says that they only write dedicated pitches to one publicist at a time, it depends on the product, obviously. But like when you're talking beauty, I mean, it, you could be pitching to hundreds of people and it's really, you know. It's hard, but yeah, I would say do your research. That's really, really great advice. Yeah. Do your research, find out, you know, where your competition is being published and who is writing about them and then being really timely and relevant with the kind of content that you're suggesting. I think it's great. So you had mentioned that you've learned a lot, especially about marketing in this journey. Are there any other strategies besides PR that you've found that have been particularly effective for your brand? I didn't know anything about SEO. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I have some great clients that I've worked with for years. And, you know, I went to them before I launched and I said, I'm thinking of doing this. What's your advice for me? And after they Mm -hmm. says, why are you crazy? (laughs) Why do you want to do this? (laughs) They're like, you really need to understand SEO or you need to do your own SEO or you need to understand Google analytics and all of these things. And it's a lot. So mm-hmm. I can't say that I'm an expert by any means, but I have learned so much about that whole world in the last year. I didn't even know it existed. So that's been a big plus for me and an understanding that world and, and also really aligning myself with the right people who, cause you can't do it all no matter what, like, even though I'm bootstrapping and I'm trying to do everything on my own, you've got to align yourself with people that you really trust and feel can help you in the places that you lack knowledge. Cause you know, I might be good with PR, but I don't know, you know, I need someone to teach me SEO. I don't understand all that. So right. making sure that you are finding the right people that you really feel can help you and uplift you and and educate you and get you to that next spot. So that's been really great because I've been able to find some really great people who I trust and who have been big supporters and helping me along that way. Mm -hmm. Also, newsletter marketing was another thing that I didn't really know too much about. And so I'm learning. Didn't know Mm -hmm. what a newsletter flow was had no idea I was like what is I didn't even know what they were talking about um and now I 
know what they are. And I've created them and I'm tweaking them all the time. And I'm edu- you know, learning and seeing, you know, I'm signing up for other brands and seeing how they do theirs and what works. And it's really just testing and seeing what works, what doesn't, what resonates with your, you know, your consumers. So, you know, that's been really there's good. So- you know, there's so many things to know and learn about running an e-commerce business. There's so much to test. There's so much much. to learn. Mm -hmm. And it's amazing to hear about just like the little iterations and what you're taking with you along the way. So I have to ask you this big question. What does being a startup renegade mean to you? What does it mean to me? It means a lot. (laughs) It means that I am living my life with purpose and passion. I Mm -hmm. truly believe in what I'm doing and what I'm creating. And I really feel that beautyology is forging, a, you know, we have this mission that we're really trying to use the beauty industry as a vehicle for social good. And so part of that is obviously offering, you know, like my brands, we all have the same mission, but also educating consumers about the importance of not just what's in their products, but where they came from and how they got there and who these people are behind them. And every day I wake up thinking about what can I do to move my startup along. And I'm constantly, I'm always having ideas and everything that I do works now. I mean, have I made mistakes? Yes. But I'm like, I think that I'm better for it because I, it's just part of the mm-hmm. process of learning and creating this business that I really truly believe has legs that could definitely be an impetus for the beauty industry as we go forward. And so yeah, I'm a little crazy. I think that, you know, it takes a certain personality to create a startup and, and want to continue every day. Am I doing the right thing? Am I spending money where I should? Should I not? Sometimes I wake up and I feel really great. And I'm like, this is awesome. Things are definitely leaking up. And then there's other days where you're just like, what the hell am I doing? You know, so I think any entrepreneur has those days that resonates with them that, you know, you're not like, feeling like you're 100% on your game every single day. So it's definitely a journey. It's a journey. It's definitely one that you have to be a special kind of person to take. So thank you so much for being here. Can you tell everybody where they can find you online? Yeah, absolutely. So I find the website online at beautyology.com. It's B-E-A-U-T-Y-O-L-O-G-I-E.com. And then also on Instagram, which is beautyology, O-L-O-G-I-E. Yeah, so we're pretty active on, on Instagram. So either those, you know, those two places. Awesome. Thanks so much for being here, Robin. Thank you so much for having me. It was really fun speaking with you. That was this week's episode of Startup Renegades. Thank you so much for joining me and soaking up all that brilliant entrepreneurial knowledge from today's guest. If you want to suggest a founder for a future episode or just want to connect, you can find me on Instagram at shauna.armitage. That's S-H-A-U-N-A dot A-R-M-I-T-A-G-E. And just a little reminder, if you liked what you heard today, be sure to subscribe and leave a review wherever you listen. It makes a huge difference and it's so important for helping the show thrive. I'll be here same time next Tuesday for a raw, honest conversation with another startup renegade. Oh, 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 o